Welcome to the Sailing Into Oblivion podcast. I'm your host, Jerome Rand. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the show. Coming to you from the great white, blustery north of Michigan. And it is living up to its reputation today. It is just blowing like crazy, huge gusts, seeing snow tornadoes, small ones, but still. And it's already snowed probably about six inches today. And quite quite lovely to look at i'm uh i'm actually uh finding myself standing every once in a while just pondering life and the world staring out at this crazy snowy landscape this old remnants of an ice age sort of thing very very cool and i just figured you know i haven't done a solo rambling in quite some time so i figure i might as well do one today uh, but before we start our podcast, like I always say, if you want to support the show, you can follow the link, become part of the 40-member-strong Patreon family, supporting this show through thick and thin, good times and bad. It's uh, been able to get us these beautiful new microphones and full-on setup, so there's no more interruptions when the computer glitches or the microphones sketch out. It's actually quite quite nice that conversation I had with my friend Colin was the first one where we used all the new technology and I think when I listen to it at least I believe the quality is is quite nice and I no longer have to put it through filters or anything like that which is very cool. Uh, but if you want to reach out to the show you can always head over to sailingintooblivion.com follow the podcast button and contact the show and those emails go to me directly and me alone so always love getting some topics and things like that I think there might be a backlog on some of those I might have to go back and take a gander at the things uh, that people sent me right before I left on the trip it's always kind of strange how life seems to start and stop around some of these adventures I do and although I've gotten used to it it's never quite so easy to remember what the heck life was like before I left. <laughs> uh, other than that, I did put out two more prints for shirts, and so that brings the, the merchandise shelf up to five different shirts and uh, all sorts of different stuff on them, and I think they're pretty cool. I think we're pretty, probably going to hold fast there for a while, um, but I'll tell you what, I can't thank the people who have not only purchased the shirts, but also left a donation in there as well. That's all going right towards getting Mighty Sparrow back up and running. And on that note, uh, I just want to say it's it's coming along. Uh, we're, we're half paid off on the new gallows, the new used gallows. And hopefully when I get back to the boat in about three weeks, I will take delivery of those beautiful things and figure out how in the heck I'm going to put them back on the boat. And then install the good old solar panel, which I already have, and go from there. Um, gosh, it's one of those things where I have to really get not only my ducks in a row, so to speak, for the next month or so, but really almost all the way through the summer. It's kind of one of those strange things when you own a boat that you also live on and work is sort of sporadic and here and there. You actually, like, I have to sort of figure out, okay, well, 
if I'm not going to be working in Maine this summer, then where am I going to put the boat? Am I going to take it all the way up to Maine? Because if I take it up there, then come fall, I've got to either get it out of there or it's going to be stuck there all winter. And then where am I going to go? Um, there's a lot of, I don't want to call them pitfalls. I think they help to keep life a little bit interesting, to tell you the truth, when you do have to sort of have these mini adventures up and down the East Coast or wherever, just to uh, kind of position the boat into a good and safe place that not only can I use year round, but also protect from some of the, the storm seasons. I mean, that's one of the things if I were to haul the boat out down south. And these are all just brainstorming ideas and, and different options that I'm trying to sort of uh, just worm my way through so I can actually have a game plan by the time I get back down to the boat at the end of this month. But if I, if I find a boatyard down south that I can pick up some part-time work, which would be great, much needed, uh, then I could haul out there and do some of the serious work or just another marina where it's okay and I can do some pretty serious work sawing and sanding and all that sort of stuff. Uh, but basically, if I can do that, then it sort of opens up my options as far as what the heck should I do, uh, you know, as the hurricane season comes in. So I would like to keep the boat out of the the Carolinas and all that for the hurricane season because I just, you know, I couldn't imagine how how awful that would be to take off and leave Sparrow on the hard somewhere and then have a hurricane blast it and end up coming back to a boat that's been tipped over and, and all that sort of stuff. So chances are my game plan is already sort of leaning towards getting the boat up to Maine, but therein lies a bit of the problem um, of how do I get it up there uh, in the condition it's in and how early I go and all that sort of stuff. Because last year I left in the beginning of May from South Carolina and it was just, it was an awful trip. It was awful. That was the one where I ended up pulling in to Ocean City and I was stuck there for like eight days and uh, the rest of the time out at sea, it was either no wind and fog or fog and rain. And it just was kind of crummy and it was cold. And then I got up to Maine and had to stay on the boat in the water for quite some time. And uh, I know I know this this time, if I am able to get up there, they did say no matter what time of year I got up there, they'd, they'd yank me out straight away. So I think that that's... That's pretty cool, and it would be so nice to do another launch season. I love, love doing the launch season. It just, there's something about helping people get their boats ready, and everybody's getting them painted up, and they're looking forward to the season, and there's this positivity, and there's just a ton of work as well. And, you know, you're, you're still definitely, you're working huge amounts of hours, but I don't know, for some reason... It's it's essentially pretty much the entire month of June is just go 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 you know nine ten hour days and uh, and then side work on the weekends it's 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 fantastic I absolutely love it and everybody's super stoked because the season's about to start as opposed to the haul out season which I think uh, not quite as enjoyable it's still it's not too bad because it is kind of for the the puzzling 
sort of mind, it's kind of interesting to see how we place all these boats and sort of cram them in. And, and it really is like a Tetris game in, in a lot of ways. And that can be fun, but you have to be very diligent uh, with how the boats are set up, make sure everything's super secure and all that sort of stuff. I mean, you know, we, they had 70 knot winds up there, essentially almost a hurricane um, blow through Maine earlier, earlier this, uh, this fall. And yeah, I mean, it's, it's crazy. You can never really prepare a hundred percent to beat out or, uh, endure mother nature. And that's something I think everybody in, in the yachting industry knows, but you know, you have to try your best, but when you're, when you're in the launch season, it's basically pick that thing up and get it in the water and go and get the next one. And sometimes we're launching 10 boats in a day and it's all around the tide. Oh man. It's, I don't know. There's something about it that I like and I would love to be able to get back up there at least at, at the very minimum to be able to do that launch season and then finish up uh, right after the 4th of July. So we got a saying up there in Maine, if it ain't buying, if it's not in by the 4th of July, don't, don't even bother because <laughs> the season's almost over. Uh, I don't really believe that though. I mean, you know, if you've got a boat and you've got the means, Hey, throw it in for a weekend if you want, I suppose. But yeah, so we'll, we'll have to see. Um, you know, normally I would just say, Hey, I'm going to be up there for the whole summer, but I do have a little, little project I've been working on trying desperately to, uh, put together a new presentation and right now, for anybody that has gone on the website, and I, I probably need to dial that thing up, especially if I do come up with this new new program, but I essentially have a few different options when it comes to these these speaking engagements. You know, there's there's the traditional just telling the story, doing some Q&A after. That's always fantastic. I love doing that one. Then there's more of sort of the corporate style and the team building where you're actually trying to get all the takeaways and the you know, how you overcome these, these incidences, how, how to, how to overcome adversity, I guess is the best way to say it. And, you know, keeping the momentum going in, in sort of when it's all against the odds, how do you keep going and all that sort of stuff. And it's been a lot of fun. I've had some success with that. Not, I haven't done too many of them, but it is, it is rather fun to challenge a group and I think that's one of the fun parts of doing that particular uh, type of, of uh, public speaking where you're, there's a lot of audience engagement. And I don't know, that's always cool because it's always going to be different. You never know who's going to be in the audience, how they're going to react to it. I mean, the story behind everything is great, but to really draw anything and leave the audience with you know something to chew on and hopefully lessons learned and things like that. That's the ultimate goal with that one. So that one's a challenge for me, and I, I definitely like doing those um, and trying to explore better better ways to essentially put that out there. <clears throat> and then the other one, which I think is really good for schools and um, maybe not a younger audience, but just uh, it's kind of fun for me is the one where, you know, basically, uh, doing great things when, you know, starting out real small, um, essentially the story of trying to go from having a filthy backpack at the bottom of Mount Katahdin to pulling into Gloucester after nine months out at sea and what all goes into all that sort of stuff from preparation to 
planning to, you know, everything to try and basically you've got this goal you want to go to. You're at the absolute bottom of the barrel. And how are you going to get from there to there and, you know, sort of go through it with real life examples of, you know, what you have to do and, and what I had to do to sort of achieve that goal. And I don't know, I, I do kind of think that one, that one's more on the inspirational side, if I was going to like label it completely. So that one is, uh, is also pretty fun. I've only done that one once or twice and that was two, you know, younger audiences and, uh, Hey, yeah, I gotta tell you, it's, it's pretty hard to talk teenagers these days. I'm sure it's always been that way. Um, and I can think about when I was a teenager, what it was like to listen to people talk, although we never had any adventurers come in and, and talk to us. But I, I gotta say it's, it's pretty unbelievable. The just drastic contrast between speaking to a group of uh, elementary school kids compared to high school kids. One, the elementary school kids are quiet and they listen and, and then they have tons of questions. Complete opposite with the high school kids. Half the time they're, they're either looking at their phones or they're chatting away. I remember there was one talk I gave and these, this like group of three people, and this was only a, a group of maybe 50 total, um, just the whole time talking, giggling, laughing. And, you know, I just thought to myself, boy, uh, if they only knew, if they only knew, <laughs> but you know, not that I want to judge anybody here, uh, but I think teenagers as a, as a whole sort of, uh, I don't know. Uh, I don't think they've changed by any means because I think they've always been this way, but, uh, I think they need to, uh, remove their head from, you know, where sometimes, uh, but that's, I mean, geez, I'm sure it was the same back in the Roman days and all that sort of stuff. Teenagers have probably always been a bit of an issue. So I typically actually don't do those anymore. Um, I guess I guess it would all depend, but I haven't done any of them in a long time. Uh, I'm hoping to get a few going here come this fall. And this is, this is a perfect rambling show because I'm in that rambling mode. But essentially where I was going with that was that I've been, you know, working on this new this new presentation with just this past voyage in mind, um, you know, and because it's got I believe it has some really great aspects for some takeaway stuff. But it, it's I'm slowly building the outline for it because that's typically what I'll do is try and figure out exactly I have my timeline of events that happen in the trip. And then I also try and come out with takeaway things that an audience can actually learn something from and a lesson that I learned. And, and then some of, you know, the timeline typically is of just the physical things that are happening on the trip. And then I like to have another timeline sort of adjacent to that, that essentially gives sort of the mental choices and decisions that also need to be made at those crucial sort of moments. You know, for example, you know, on this last one, we get knocked down, we lose our solar, we lose our AIS, uh, that changes everything. So physically, it was a crazy night, a great little story to tell. But then, you know, come a day or two later, now mentally, we're coming to grips with the fact that our world has changed. And essentially, we've gone from having almost a completely renewable source of energy 
to power our equipment and lights and refrigerator and the food and all that to now being reliant on 50 gallons of diesel fuel that is not going to last all that long. We can't produce power any other way. And so we have to sort of do a little triage of, well, what do we, what do we need to have? And we have to prioritize what we have and all that. And so I think this one is going to be pretty cool. I also really, really like the idea that the trip is, although it was very eventful, it was only 25 days. And in the past, with the long, you know, the full round-the-world trip, with that, that presentation, I'm trying to cram a whole lot of time into one hour. I mean, nine months, one hour, plus a little tidbit of, you know, the few years leading up to that trip even. So I always felt a little bit of pressure to get it all in there, and there was no way in one hour to be able to hit on every single point that I wanted to. I mean, really, in, in a perfect world, when I would go and do these talks, I would do, they'd either be a two-part thing, like one day I do the first part and then the next day I do the other. But, you know, it's one of those things where it's not a perfect world. It's not fair. It's not perfect. Don't expect it to be. <laughs> mm. But, uh, yeah, so just basically trying to sort that out so that I could possibly be up here uh, in Michigan, and there's a venue up here where I'm, I'm pretty confident I would be able to practice in front of a pretty large audience, usually 50 people to 100 people, and uh, a welcoming audience that is, is, uh, has helped me in the past to be able to work out these presentations and try different things and see what works and what doesn't and, uh, and sort of go from there and be able to do it once a week. So I mean, you couldn't ask for a better setup as, as a presenter because you can literally go in, try something out, you record all of them, and then you've got a whole week to be able to sort through and figure another outline out and then do it again and again. And you can do it for, you know, seven, eight weeks in a row. And then now we're talking, we're in September, and typically in the past, it seemed like that was the time where a lot of places were looking for events looking for people to come in and present in everything from yacht clubs to, you know, anything. It's the fall, you know, the the events that are, you know, big, fun, outdoor sort of stuff are, are coming to an end, and uh, but people still want to have, like, their final gathering before winter and all that sort of stuff. And I don't know. I, I think I have a lot of uh, – I think I've got a lot of good ideas with this one and a the potential not to screw it all up like I did before. Uh, and I don't mean that I, I just completely wrecked everything in any sort of stretch of the imagination. No, it was more I just didn't know what I was doing. Um, you know, I don't have a lot of guidance for a lot of the stuff that I do. Um, you know, I, I think the, the one thing that I got, I was able to get some absolute gold from somebody else was John U. Bacon sitting down with me uh, to talk about writing the book. And that that was unbelievably helpful. I followed his advice to the T, and we just went from there. And uh, and that was, that was absolutely great. For the speaking stuff, no idea. I just basically was, was just winging it and losing money hand over fist in the beginning, you know. Uh, but at the same time, you know, you got to learn 
from those mistakes. I mean, it's the same with sailing. It's it's how I, you know, got to the point where I did. It's because I screwed it all up so many times that I finally learned from it. And it does. I'm I'm like a blockheaded person. It takes takes a good little lesson for old J Rome to get it through his thick skull. But I'm pretty open to kind of um, any sort of suggestion and all that sort of stuff when it comes to that. But I don't know. I I just think I think before some of the pitfalls that I was running into uh, just was that I didn't have it sorted out as far as being very realistic about the cost of travel and making sure that that was okay to be tagged in to the price of like the speaking fee and all that. And, you know, there were a lot of times where I actually lost money traveling to these places and, it is it is pretty hard when you're doing it freelance like that and you don't have a, a speaking bureau behind you or anything like that. It, the hardest part for me was that I would have like a speaking engagement in, say, New Jersey, and then two weeks later I'd have another one in Detroit. And then, you know, they're, they're just a little too few and far between because it's not like I can rent out venues and – and fill them up because it just uh it's not <laughs> it just uh it's not the same as climbing everest it's just not a well-known thing most people still when you when you say you know you're a solo sailor who don't really understand what that even means but not my audience you guys all know but you know me so no big deal there uh but yeah it's it's gonna be kind of interesting i don't know and and it's funny though i you know as, as much as i love doing that and i really i love getting up on stage and all that the actual fun of it is there but for some reason in my head lately i'm just getting full of these doubts about like oh you know is it is it worth it to give it a go again and see if i can actually make this thing happen or is it going to just be another like whole winter of attrition, just trying, scraping by. And I, you know, I don't mind doing that, but it does get pretty hard and unnerving when, you know, you're, you're literally on the road and you're prepping for one speaking engagement. And then you're, you're going back to the, the motel, reaching out to more people, trying to, you know, book yourself into other, other things and you got to negotiate and it gets a little complicated because again, it's just, it's just me, but, um, I don't know. I don't know. I, I feel like even though I haven't been able to do some crazy epic voyage, just the fact that I've there I have a pretty sizable list. I think I've done that presentation maybe like a hundred and something times. So it's a lot of venues and I know we pretty much knocked it out of the park, not to pat myself on the back, but it seemed like everybody really enjoyed it and the organizers enjoyed it and everything. I'd Never really had any uh, big time complaints or anything. Although, you know, I do remember there was one point where I had a nightmare about being late to one of these talks and showing up late and everybody was mad. <laughs> I remember waking up in a cold sweat on that one. That was that was pretty scary because that's. I mean, that's worst nightmare right there, right? Is you, you've got 250 people and you get caught in traffic or, or something happens, you know, which is why I normally show up to these places hours and hours and hours beforehand. But uh, I don't know. It's going to be interesting. Um, 
I really, I, I think the only other thing I've got going for me now compared to when I first started doing this is the the reach that I'm, I'm starting to sort of accumulate via different social media platforms and such. I mean, it's not huge by any stretch of the imagination, but, you know, the, the YouTube channel's grown by like three times or four times what it was uh, when I was used to be doing this and, you know, all the other stuff. It just, you're, you reach a bigger audience and then you can sort of, I don't know, at least start putting feelers out there. And now I have the podcast as well. I think that would be pretty cool to be able to, you know, do one of these talks and then possibly nail somebody down for uh, a little interview because typically you're meeting some of the most interesting people at, at these things and uh yeah i don't know i i think i think it's definitely well worth it it's uh but boy i don't i gotta shake this mental this mental um uh, dark cloud if you will that uh i've just got sort of sitting around and I don't know. I don't know really how <laughs> to do that at this point. I'm just going to keep punching away at at everything at this uh, at this at this juncture. Um, you know, I have another three weeks or so up here in Michigan, so it's it's been essentially creating as much content as I can for everything. And um, you know, like I said, things are growing. It's real slow, but it's growing. So. You know, you may not think you make much of an impact in one day, but, you know, give it a week or give it a month. And then you've actually, you know, you've, you've found uh, a whole bunch of more people that are sort of interested in, in the stuff that you're putting out and enjoy it. And you never know. You never know who or what's going to happen the next morning. And then you may wake up and all of a sudden you're like, holy cow, what happened here? And it's just some, you know, famous person shared your thing or whatever. And now all of a sudden it's like, boom, but. I don't know. It was nice. I got. I was able to get on a, uh, another podcast as well and be a guest on their show. And usually, that's always a pretty big, big help and such. Um, you know, so that for this for this adventure, I've been on the Adventure Sports Podcast with uh, Mason Gravely, which he's awesome. If you've never heard of that, they've got literally like nine hundred episodes talking to all sorts of different adventures. It's really cool. It's kind of eye opening. Because you just find these these adventures that people do that you don't even know. Uh, it's like, wow, I didn't even know people try and do that sort of thing. It's crazy, like kayaking the the inner passage, and I forget what some of the other recent ones were, but it's um, I don't know, it's cool. But the last one was uh, one I had been on before called Papa Bear Hikes, and just a really nice guy. It was kind of interesting. His name's Martin. Super cool. Um, he's not a sailor, but he's very interested in the story and and all that. And just a really, really nice guy. But in the end, after we after we concluded our little chat about the this last adventure, I did ask him about podcasting and the future of podcasting. And it was I don't know. It was kind of interesting what he said, because he, he's been doing it, I think, since pre-COVID. So. He said, you know, in 2020, there was this huge explosion of podcasts. I mean, huge, because everybody's sort of stuck in their house, and a lot of people decided, like, hey, I'm going to do a podcast, you know, myself included. I, I had to do one because I thought, well, you know, can't really do a whole lot else right now, so I might as well uh, throw this out there and give it a shot. And But he said, you know, the stats don't lie. You're, 
you're very unlikely to make it past like episode 10 or episode 20. And so there was a huge amount of people that, that sort of fell out of it, you know, within the first year. And now we're going on to, you know, three years from the start of that. And he said, there's a lot of people that made the distance to a year, year and a half, two years. And now because they haven't been able to gain a huge amount of popularity. They've, they've thrown in the towel. And he said, you know, that, that he's, he's seen a large increase in the numbers of downloads there because the general public, myself included, have all sort of grown to uh, embrace the, the sort of podcast medium. I mean, it's, I love listening to podcasts. I love listening to audiobooks. I prefer just reading them um rather than listening but podcasts are phenomenal because there's just such a huge array any topic you want you can get it and and you know you you find a podcast that you really like and it's like you know i it's like you've you've found a friend <laughs> in some ways i think uh i know i feel that way when i listen to certain ones i'm like oh yeah you know they came out with a new one sweet and there's this one called tumble home that I always, always enjoyed back in the day. And these guys are up there in uh, northern Minnesota, and they are like Boundary Waters fanatics, which is this 100,000-square-acre uh, national park, or maybe not national, I don't, I don't know. But it's this, you know, this park up there, and it's all canoeing, you know, no, no motorboats or anything like that. It's absolutely stunning. It's beautiful. But these two... They just just clown. I mean, they're just just chatting away. They take the mics out there uh, into the park with them sometimes. Other times they're just, you know, telling stories, all this stuff. They've been doing it for years and years and years. And I, I, yeah, you just felt like you were part of the trio at that point. You're just sort of sitting down listening to the guys uh, talk, and it was great. I, I don't know. I still listen to it, and and it's it's fantastic. And that one actually, interestingly enough, like that one had uh one of the one of the guys had sort of uh, had to switch occupations and it wasn't all that pretty and he went through some some grisly times mentally and stuff and and sort of just kept it all in the podcast and i always thought that was pretty cool i'll never forget i was driving listening to uh to his show where he was driving and he was doing a podcast while he was driving because he was so mad and he just needed to talk to somebody and stuff i don't know it was pretty cool so yeah it's uh i don't even know where i was going with that but oh yeah well so i don't know i there really isn't a whole lot of uh reason and for me to want to actually stop doing this podcast because i i i love it like it's fun um even if it's just me I love doing the, the recordings out at sea. I think that's an absolute blast. Uh, <laughs> they're just so funny. When I listen to those when I get back, I'm always like, oh, yeah, boy, I was pretty tired there. Uh, but it's, I think one of the, the greatest parts about this, this show is being able to sit down with another human being and just have a conversation with zero distractions. And, you know, typically once the guests sort of get over the microphone being in their face and they sort of loosen up and then the conversation starts flying, you know, I, I don't know. It's 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 absolutely it's it's fun and it's a great excuse just to do that. I mean, 
could almost like not even actually be recording it and and just lie and and say hey you know we're gonna record this podcast and then you know afterwards tell them oh there was a glitch and the recording was bad and blah 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 so unfortunately we can't put it out uh i would do that just just because uh it's fun to sit down with people completely uninterrupted where you're like you gotta you know imagine imagine any sort of social situation where you're sitting down with another person face to face like across a table and you're like all right turn your cell phone off for the next hour and a half no distractions at all you know people come to the door you don't answer it that sort of thing and it's pretty rare uh these days i mean geez most 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 times you sit down even at dinner or something like that and people pull their cell phones out put them right next to their plate and you're just like uh okay but no judgment no judgment uh but it's, you know, it's one of those things where it's a great excuse for that and it's fun and you really always learn stuff about the other person. And I mean, shoot, even when I've had Sven on sometimes, I learn stuff about Sven. And I've he's my brother. I've known him forever. And I mean that literally. And it's, it's uh, I don't know, it's it's a great, great thing. So I, you know, I, I, I definitely feel like this is going to continue and it's always nice that that it generates a little bit of income as well, which is fantastic. And and I think the possibility for that to grow is awesome as well. But it's really not the monetary thing that that keeps me wanting to sit down with people and improve the show and and all that. It's it's just uh, it's just that it's a, a fun activity. It's a learning experience and it's time well spent and you know i i definitely always have to tip my hat to anybody who will come out and talk and and tell some of their stories and listen to me babble and all that sort of stuff is fantastic it really is uh people spending spending their time i mean there's a reason you call it spending your time because you're you're spending it it's uh going from your clock to gone and you're using it in this way and uh, giving it essentially to me. So <laughs> I'm collecting people's time. <laughs> in a way, actually, I am. And the podcast is sort of the, the record of that, I suppose. So, so that's pretty cool. Uh, in other news, not to completely switch gears, but I definitely need to, is the Golden Globe has been absolutely unbelievably fun to watch. Scary. Uh, it's almost giving me a little anxiety because it's been getting hectic. You've got the the, the three leading boats. Uh, now, actually, just the two leading boats are finally making their dip towards Cape Horn. We've got breakages. We've got one person way in the back that's just literally just today coming out of a severe, like, Force 10 gale. Ugly, ugly stuff. Um lost his life raft it's 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 absolutely fantastic so um i'll put a link in the description on this i'm sure don mcintyre the guy who runs the whole thing would not mind me uh throwing it out there but it's it they've got a great website you can if you just want to google it you can just golden globe race 2022 and it's awesome you go to the live tracker and it shows the boat's positions and then you can overlay the weather it's really really They've done a great job with that. And, you know, right now I think should should have my stats up so I could tell you everything, you know, perfectly. But I believe 16 people started. And I think at this point in the actual 
full race because if if you end up having to stop somewhere then you get demoted into the chichester class which means you you know you've stopped along the way and then you keep going but in the in the non-stop quote unquote i only say that because they actually make these people uh i think anchor or, or tie off to a mooring or something but not going to get into that i'll save that one for the matt rutherford show uh because I know he he and I want to rant and rave about that sort of stuff. It gets him a little hot. Rutherford gets a little hot. Surprise, surprise. <laughs> I love that guy. I hope he's having a uh, a good time down in Columbia right now uh, working on his book. But shout out Matt Rutherford, Single-Handed Sailing Podcast. It's awesome. Check it out. Uh, talk about rambling and ranting and raving. He's really good at that because uh, it's pretty much he just – he just talks on his uh he every once in a while he'll have a guest on there but it's pretty much just him which i hats off man that's that's a lot i i depend on people to be able to continue to keep this show interesting and spicy and all that Mm. but um yeah so with the golden globe essentially yeah so with the with the actual still in the full-on race, there's only one, two, I think three, four, maybe four, maybe five. I really should have my computer open here so I could tell you 100%. But, yeah, we've lost almost two-thirds of the fleet. There's a couple people that are still sailing that are in the Chichester class. But the leader, Simon, he had, when they when he first got into the Pacific weeks ago, essentially hooked into a weather system. And this, I think, is what makes these these long, long distance ocean races so cool is that he hooked into a weather system and the two people that were, you know, sort of nipping at his heels. They were still, uh, I think, 200 miles away or something. They were becalmed and he just ripped away. And I think he ended up increasing his lead to almost a thousand miles for a while, started his dip down towards Cape Horn, had a pretty severe gale come down over the top of him boom broken wind vane he uses the hydro vane and not the uh, aries that that i have and uh there we go that's that's the the race for him he's now headed to chile and he's got to get parts and then then if he decides he can drop down to chichester class and then go around the horn and, and back up but the other two obviously uh, I think it's Kristen and then Abalash. They're coming up from the behind, and they've just—they're about 1,500 miles out from Cape Horn, so they probably have a good 10 days to two weeks, depending on the weather. It looks like they're going to have some pretty spicy weather. Not uh, nothing on the radar right now that looks too crazy, but definitely some good, you know, Southern Ocean action. And you just sort of hope that nothing really develops. Because that's pinch point right there. You're dropping down into the furious 50s. It gets wild. It gets cold. It gets dangerous. Uh, the only benefit is that they're getting closer and closer to land, uh, i.e. Cape Horn and all that. So if stuff does go wrong, they can, they'd probably be able to get help. If you're out in the middle of the Pacific near you know, Point Nemo, it ain't happening, not anywhere fast at least. So if you're in a life raft, uh, you got to stave off like hypothermia and all this sort of stuff for quite a while. Uh, it's not it's not something you can take lightly. That isolation out there, even in even in an organized race, there's just going to be times where it's going to take a long time to get to the person because they're so absolutely so isolated out there. Uh, but 
Elliot Smith, he pulled into Australia after trouble with his bowsprit. Uh, he was the last American who was in it. Um, but this other guy, his name is Guy, uh, was just south of Australia. And he literally just just came out of this insane gale, huge. I mean, 30-foot waves, 50 knots, uh, 50 knot winds, probably gusting up to 70. Lost, he got knocked down, uh, so welcome to the club sort of thing, and lost his life raft, was, was on some sort of bracket and stuff on the stern of the boat, and lost that, so he's life raftless. I think he's going to head towards Hobart. He's in the Chichester class already because I think he had to stop in Cape Town and do some some stuff but yeah it's just been i don't know it's been fun and the news feed on it is all pretty cool and i've been doing some updates on youtube uh, i just do those little live streams for 10 20 minutes at a time every time something's crazy is happening and those have been fun i don't know it's it's um it's interesting to be able to sit at the comfort of a warm house and <laughs> be able to watch all this this stuff unfold and these dramas out out at sea and I you know because I I thought about that when I was out there and I remember just being like boy you know there's people just watching checking my position every morning with the cup of coffee and the nice comfortable kitchen and I'm out here and it's cold and miserable and wet and I'm hungry and <laughs> you, there's a little jealousy factor there that uh, it's pretty crazy but Ah, yeah. So that's been interesting. And uh, yeah, other than that, it's just been nose to the grindstone. Um, and uh, my last rant, and I promise this will be the last one, but so I have this really bad habit. And after, after, before I go on an adventure and after I get back from an adventure out at sea, there's two things that I do too much of. One is eat really bad food i.e. pizza and and you know ham sandwiches and just i'm not really getting into the candy very much but i definitely eat a lot of pizzas and and uh, a huge breakfast wraps and things that just aren't great for you especially when you're 44 years old um and then i also drink a lot of beers a lot of beers and it's one of those things where I rationalize it like crazy, you know, pre pre adventure. I'm sort of like, well, this is the last time I'm going to be able to do this. Better order another pizza. And and also I always want to have a nice little layer of chunk on me when I go out to sea because you never know. And that could be your last line of defense. If something does happen, you end up in a life raft for a month or two. You got some storage, if you know what I mean. And uh, plus, you're going to be out there alone. So who cares? Not that I really care all that much anymore at my age. I used to, uh, in my 20s, be pretty concerned with how I looked and stuff like that. And I think everybody is when they're younger. And holy cow, wouldn't it be nice if you had the same mental outlook when you're 40, uh, if you could transpose that onto yourself when you're in 20 or when you're a teenager? Oh, my gosh. The whole, the whole world would just be such a different place, I think. Wouldn't be any of that angst. You wouldn't be all vain you wouldn't be worried what other people thought like who cares what other people think oh man i used to even feel that with some of the social media stuff putting posts out and everything and well i'm glad i got over that because you know it's one of those things who cares if you're not having fun doing it then don't do it but anyway 
I'm just ranting all over the place here. <laughs> but then, yeah, so pre, pre-adventure and then post-adventure do the same thing. I get back and I'm like, whoa, I haven't had, you know, burgers and I haven't had fries. And, and I just devour and I'm like, beer, we're drinking more beers tonight. And typically when I get back, I like to give myself a month of just like, you know, just enjoy it. You survived another one have fun and this this adventure even though i was only out there for 25 days was still it was one of those things where uh the events that unfolded gave me sort of that different perspective of like hey you only live once we better we better uh live it up uh but you know in my older age with my little bit of wisdom uh, i do realize that a bit of moderation would probably be helpful and uh since i am well past being on land for a month now i'm getting close to being on land for two uh i have started a bit more of a regiment and it's been tough but i'm at least over the initial uh super sore legs from running and super sore muscles from doing push-ups and sit-ups and all that so i've gotten kind of i don't know if it's plateauing or what but uh you know i've gotten to the the routine of like everyday exercise and then and then watching what what i'm putting down but i'm about to start a five-day water fast which is going to be pretty crazy i've done them in the past i don't recommend them i'm not a doctor by any means but i uh I I think the first one I ever did was a couple of years ago, and holy cow, it felt amazing. It was really tough, for sure, at least for the first two days. But uh, then after that, it was it was a pretty crazy experience. Um, but like I said, I don't recommend this stuff for anybody without talking to your doctors or anything like that. But I'm about to start one off tomorrow. Whew. So it's going to be I'm, – I'm kind of looking forward to it. Uh, in the fact that I know for me personally, it, it's something that I like to like to do, you know, maybe every six months or a year, but it's been a while since I've done it. And, and I think when you eat really poorly for, for a bit, at least I, when I do, I get like addicted to pizza. <laughs> I'm just like, give me more. And that's just one of those things that I, I, uh, I have to battle and it's an internal battle, you know? That's one of the benefits when you're out sailing. Um, you just can't sort of give up and stop. It's just not a possibility um, without, you know, uh, jumping in the sea and, and drowning or whatever. But uh, on land, you really have to have some serious willpower. If you want to reach a goal or do a certain thing or start a regiment and, and carry on through it, you really have to be pretty focused and I definitely have more trouble on land than I do out at sea because out at sea I'm enjoying what I'm doing and I have to do it and uh, to be able to survive and all that but yeah on land man you have the option the option of like yeah I'm not gonna do it today yeah I don't feel like doing it today but I'm, I'm I'm pretty buckled in and I've I'm I'm getting close to like five or six days or a week into this whole thing and uh that's when it starts to ease up the the like uh, I don't want to do it anymore. You stop hearing that quite so much, and, and you typically already start having a little boost in the energy. Um, the next milestone, because I've done this so many times to myself, where I literally get back from a trip, gain 10 pounds in a month and a half, and then have to go and 
try and tighten back up a little bit. And uh, usually on the two-week two week mark is when all of a sudden the energy boost is huge. You've shed a couple of pounds. You actually look in a mirror and sort of see a bit of a difference. And you're sort of like, oh, okay, it's working. Let's keep going. And it gives you that motivation. Uh, I think that's one of the hardest things about trying to get back into shape for most people is that it's a slow process and it takes a lot of work and you're not seeing much of any results for the first couple of weeks which makes them the hardest because I know in the past it's been easy to like go and you know promise you're going to do something you do it for a week and then you're like yeah done with that for a little while and then two months go by and you're like oh no what did I do (laughs) that's my biggest thing is I always regret it when I don't use the opportunity of having time and I always try to sort of think in the terms of boy this sure would be a lot harder if I had to work 10 hours in the boatyard and then do a podcast Um, trying to fit in a quick workout somewhere in between that and sleeping probably pretty hard and guess what you're just doing uh, you know a few hours of content creation and then writing some stuff and then uh and then you got some time on your hands don't you buddy <laughs> why don't you get on the treadmill <laughs> so that's what i've been that's what i'm trying to do self-motivation self-motivation but in any event that's pretty much gonna wrap up my rants um i guess i did want to uh say i'm i'm trying to put together this new this new sort of format and i'm it's okay so i have always tried to keep the podcast like hallowed ground so to speak when it comes to the rules that i set about i do in-person interviews so the audio quality is really good i don't do the over the phone stuff because it's super annoying and i I really want to keep the quality up and i hope that you know there will be a time where i'm able to sort of travel to some of these other places and interview some of these other people that I have on my list. But in any event, on YouTube, uh, I reached out to a sailor, and his handle is uh, Bumbling Sailor. And essentially, he bought a Contessa 26 over in England, and he has no sailing experience, but he's going to try and essentially take it out, learn how to sail over the winter, and then uh, possibly next fall, take it and sail it across to the Caribbean and pretty pretty big goal super nice guy and so I reached out to him and he, he had just started his channel it's uh, it's grown pretty fast so I reached out and uh, seemed like a likable guy and we did just a zoom call um, 20 30 minutes and I put the video up on YouTube the audio isn't bad it isn't great it's not crystal clear like this but it's it's one of those things where like next week I'm going to be sitting down to do the same thing with Randall Reeves and I would love to and I know it'll happen in the future at some point but I'd love to sit down with Randall and do like two or three hour podcast about some of the stuff that he's done and just talk you know planetary sailing I guess you could call it circumnavigating all that sort of stuff but he's out in San Francisco and I'm over here and you know, it's uh, the just the cost of doing that would be insane. Um, so I guess my point being, I'm, I'm kind of toying with the idea of either 
starting a second podcast channel where whenever I do one of these interviews uh, over Zoom, I record it and I take the audio and I upload it. And that way this podcast, the Sailing Into Oblivion podcast, stays clean, stays uh, just like how we've always meant it to be. And and then there, you know, then there's sort of the um, the the shorts, I guess you could call it, where on you know the Sailing to Oblivion short channel is going to have twenty to thirty minute quick conversations with people. Audio quality is not going to be great, but hey, you know, at least the conversation is there. So I don't know. I'm trying to trying to sort of figure that one out because I don't know if I want to do that. Uh, I don't want it to interfere with the podcast because the goal still is to try and do two episodes. Uh, every single week and right now it's a little bit of a struggle because there's not a lot of people up here in Michigan um, I was hoping to get a couple I was actually hoping to get the the lady who was a sailmaker that actually taught Sven how to do it but she no longer lives here anymore um, so I don't know we'll, we'll have to sort of see what what happens but I know when when I'm down on the boat and I'm in marinas there's lots of people to talk to a lot of interesting like-minded people and uh and all that sort of stuff. So, so we'll sort of see, but I don't know. It's uh, if anything, it's kind of a neat thing to look out for on on YouTube when I do them. And I'm gonna compile, try and compile about three or four, and then hopefully be able to do those. You know, every week or two, throw throw another quick interview because it's it's nice for YouTube because it's got the video, you know, actual faces talking. It's not just audio, and uh, so that's kind of neat. But yeah, I just the podcast is still and I hope always will be sort of the number one priority when it comes to content creation. Right. Um, you know, because it's it's I think the most uh, enjoyable for me, definitely. I mean, compared to editing a video on YouTube, this is a lovely way to spend my time. Oh, man, I absolutely love it, which which is why we, you know invested in it uh not too recently with the old new mics and the new recording device so other than that thank you for listening to me rant and rave i can't believe it <laughs> if you've made it this far you're a champion to be able to listen to me talk about almost absolutely nothing so this has been lovely uh i i gotta remember to do a solo every once in a while and i do have one coming up i've i've been starting to get so many questions uh on some of the social media stuff uh, that I, I got to do a Q&A, Q&A session again. Those are always kind of fun. Look for the most oddball questions and just dig in. So we shall see. But uh, thank you all for listening. Thank you so much for the Patreon family that is supporting this show. You guys are the absolute best. And uh, other than that, buy some shirts. Woo! Love those shirts. <laughs> that is a shameless little plug right there. All right, everybody. Thanks for listening. Have a great day.